Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to Brown Bag Bets. Powered by Betsperts, we are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me as always, Mr. Andy Monitor. How was your weekend, Andy? I know that you had a three-point prop uh, contest prop that went pretty well, but maybe you didn't have the guts to go all the way. Yes. I know I dropped that in one of the chats because I looked at it. You you had me on the right track as far as what to be digging into. I dug into catch and shoot three-point percentage. I looked at everyone's three-point percentage. And I'm like, man, Cat, Cat is just as good of a catch and shoot three-point shooter as CJ McCollum. Like their their stats were identical as far as that went. And I'm like, and he doesn't have to jump. Like that he'll have more time because you see some of these real little guys where they jump and like they even pointed out on the broadcast, the one guy, maybe Kennard, was landing over the line each time and he had to step back. Like Cat's just standing there bending his knees. So, so MGM, I think it was where there was a couple places that had the matchup. It was yeah. McCollum versus Cat, and Cat was a plus one thirty dog. So played that and uh, did not did not take the twelve to one. Although my daughter was very excited, she she <laughs> I, she asked if any of the players were from our team, the Timberwolves team. I said, "Yeah, this guy. Well, I'm going to cheer for him." And I remember saying, "Like, that's oh, well, you know, uh, that's cute. Like, hey, he's the least likely, according to the odds, to win this. Like, it'll be fun to cheer for him for the first round or whatever." Yeah. You knew that, and you didn't bet him twelve to one. We talked about karma plays. I think that was last week. Oh, yeah. If I'd known your daughter was cheering for him, I'd have. I'd have, I'd have made it, it was I'd too late. She, I mean, it was right when it started. I need to get her oh. picks earlier because I think she picked the the dunk contest too. I'm not sure on the, <laughs> not sure on the the skills thing. Just confused her as it confused everybody. Uh, I, just, I mean. Overall, it was pretty fun. I mean, the skills competition, I kind of like what it did. You're right. They didn't do a great job explaining some of the things. I mean, the group competitions were fun. I thought the passing thing, that was wild to watch. Um, that was kind of fun. The weave was, it was very nice, actually, for a couple and of years. the Atenta Kupos kind of got hosed. I mean, I don't know if they got hosed, but they blew the strategy. So you remember that part at the end where they had to, like, shoot the – three-pointer in the corner and i'm sure that there were some rules about how quickly you could chuck it but the intent yeah. to kumpo should not have been trying to make that shot it should have been ball up ball up ball up go yeah um, the third one should have been up as the second one the first one's hitting the rim or missing the rim completely yeah i think now if we do it again next year some teams might have a little more strategy it was interesting and really a, <clears throat> we both said the anti you know denton to to, to compose was probably a decent play at a big number and honestly the tiebreaker shit was annoying like the fact that they didn't have it set up so there couldn't be ties like did, they need to change the scoring up a little and i think i think it's actually a nice uh a nice little event i liked the fact that it was it was running fast like there wasn't a lot of breaks it's like yeah. all right next thing all right next thing next team's up like they were spinning through that fast it was i enjoyed that part of it definitely same with the three-point contest they were rattling guys up there right away oh it's it's the stark difference between those two contests and the dunk contest again three-point contest was great our boy canard makes it all the way to the final and loses because somebody sets a single round record um that was just i just love that that's the best but the dunk contest much has been made of this it's you know they tried to make things more interesting by giving these guys i guess more tries more attempts and stuff but inadvertently what you've done is like you said you've ruined the nice part of that the other two contests they're moving they're going i mean to watch somebody try to do the same dunk like six seven times i mean some of these guys i think it did get to almost seven or eight times on some of these guys it's just a shame i mean 
they got to find a way to take the attempts and, and bring them down. I mean, maybe two attempts, an attempt is anytime you're moving towards the rim. That was the other thing. Some were attempts, some weren't. It all depended on where the ball was. It's just ridiculous. So hopefully they can clean that up a little bit. And again, try to maybe draw some more marquee athletes. I mean, with all, with all due respect to those four guys, I mean, there wasn't too much explosiveness or insane athletic talent, I think, in that group overall. So you know, we'll see. Maybe they can do a better job next year. I wonder if Cole Anthony might have done better if he could have made that dunk that he kept trying over and over and over and over again. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? If a guy just runs at the basket from any direction and executes a really nice windmill tomahawk dunk where he gets way up, I think that's better than watching some of these really fancy trick dunks on the eighth try. Like to me, I'd rather just just do something athletic once rather than the shit. And like, yeah, there was obviously Twitter agreed. There was a lot of uh, a lot of much love lost between the dunk contest and I uh, really the three point contest was the most electric thing. Not only just with Cat, but I mean just some of those guys with the um, with the way they move through it, and you know the fact that the points are different. And you have the money ball and the Mountain Dew ball. I always enjoy that one a lot. And obviously, uh. It was good like for anyone involved that, that Steph did They found play. a way to fit those in, which was nice. Yeah. Steph probably would have won, apparently, because he was hot. Um, the under got – or the total got middled. There were That's places amazing. that opened as low as 318. I, and, again, I did the math. I went back in the last three years. I looked. Average scoring, about 88 per quarter, first three quarters. Gets you out to, like, 264. I think we were just a shade above that. I think we're two. What was, what was the 149, 148? Was that the... Something like that. Yeah. Oh, no, that's way too high. That that would get us to like 300. Either way, it was fairly close to that. And basically, like, the under was going to get there unless we had like a worst case scenario where one team got to 24, the losing team got to 24, the other team was on 23 and hit a three. I think you could have had... Uh, I think you could have had a nice little middle there on if you bet early. I think I'm going to go look back at the markets previous years and just like anyone who bets an under maybe just wait <laughs> i don't think those i think those <laughs> markets probably just go one way every year and uh it'll it'll be interesting because it, it was as high as 325 and a half at some joints and just snuck in there with 323 well, you know it's just the efficiency of an all-star game total andy i mean <laughs> that that was the part that killed me because i talked about it on you better you bet on friday we talked about it a little bit ourselves it was like how do you handicap this number, all these changes, all these things moving around? How could this possibly be an efficient market? And sure enough, right in between. Congratulations, bookmakers. You win. Vegas always knows. And that was, a again, if you can nail the first three quarters, there's a very narrow distribution of results for the fourth quarter. Like uh, things are things are almost set in stone with there. So, yeah, super, uh, super interesting weekend. I'm glad we'll be back to normal ball. Um, we we'll probably, I'm not even going to discuss the injured players who played anyway, <laughs> whatever, fuck it. It's an all-star game. Let them play. It's not competitive ball. I did enjoy the fourth quarter defense, a couple blocks, a couple people playing some defense when we actually got down to the Elam ending. I hope they keep that and Thursday, Thursday, back to the NBA. So Alex, sharpen your pencil, get ready for the second half. I'm excited as we head towards the good part of the season where they play the playoffs. Um, playoffs are coming soon for college ball. We're getting to the home stretch here. I played four this morning. One of these numbers is not available. I am having a strong feeling 
another group played one of these totals around the same time I did because I have a little bit of sway sometimes, especially if I'm playing on screen, but I'm not moving a total four points. That's just uh, neither of you guys. If, if everybody, Yeah, maybe a RAS play. We'll have to check. But uh, after I placed uh, one of these totals, it shot through the roof. Uh, Citadel is somebody I almost played. I had him circled on Saturday for an under. It was 160-something. I didn't. I looked at it. And the live total is like 180. <laughs> and and it came under anyway. So this is a really garbage streaky kind of team with a high pace. This total is super high to begin with. It's not a good defense. It's not a good offense. But they run ragged. They are one of the fastest paced teams. So they're playing Samford. They're another fast paced team. So this is, a, this is a team that can be lower scoring though. Samford... When facing Greensboro last, uh, what was it, Saturday? I don't even know if that game got to 100. So I like the under 158 in this one. This one might be dicey. And if you watch live totals, that's just as bad for your heart as watching the actual games. Because like I said, these live totals can jump 30 points, you know, during the stretch of a game. There's there's some big swings. So don't, uh, don't get too invested in what happened in the first half in a college basketball game and just let her slide. I think that's the lesson there. Warm-up half. New Mexico State, Seattle. I played the over here. This is the number one offense in the WAC. I like Seattle quite a bit. They're actually a decent defense balanced team, but they're a really good offense as well. And they run a fast pace. And I couldn't figure out why this was. There was 141s on the board this morning in this one. This is out to 144. Probably still playable at 43 if you can find a, a rogue number on that. But I'd take it easy if you're seeing 144s enough. Uh, it's getting slowly out of range as it gets bet up. But either way, this one was uh, a big stinker on the board for me. It stuck out like a sore thumb, which means this game ends about 55-52, I suppose. Holy Cross, getting a little more respect nowadays. It's not a good team. They're 9-18. and 18. But Lafayette is also not very good. These teams, I have them pretty much on par, even though if you go to Ken Palm, Holy Cross is ranked a lot lower. I like some of the things that they do as an underdog. They did take a game to overtime. I think a couple of these teams I'm betting actually were overtime teams. Holy Cross is a decent defense. No one's ever going to say this offense is good, but they play a decent defense. They make their free throws, and they're going to stay in game. So it's a really shitty matchup, and I'm taking the dog at six and a half. And honestly, this one's not better. This is a team I bet over the weekend. This is another team that went to overtime over the weekend. I had them like 13, plus 13 and a half against NC Central. And I remember thinking as it went to overtime, because I checked this one, I said, this is not in the bag. This is the kind of team that could lose by 100 in overtime. As they've lost, uh, they lost to NC Central earlier in the year by like 25 points. So Delaware State hasn't won a game since Tuesday, November 16th against non-Division One school regent. And I still think the market is still a little low on them against a, a crappy team again in South Carolina State. I have this as about an eight-point spread, so plus 10.5 is nice. There was an 11.5 earlier, which is got gobbled up as well. Those are extra games. So, again, if somebody does bet into those, even small bets can move markets there, which is annoying if you're the second guy to the market. But uh, four for now should be a good week. And then uh, Monday 
is the beginning of conference tournament time. For anyone who's enjoyed my previews over the years, I will I be writing for that previews. close. So it, it is a little bit of a there's a little bit of a goofiness to it. Most of the tournaments start like Tuesday, Wednesday, the ones that start next week. Monday, there's just one single play-in game for the NEC. And it's so there's not a lot of stuff happening right away. Same thing with Horizon and Atlantic Sun. I think Tuesdays maybe just some play-in games, but conference tournament previews. I will have articles and videos out for each of the conferences as we roll through it. As I pull a full Euro, and again, I've done this for years, bet outrights in every single conference tournament. I'm gonna make one of these years. I'm gonna make money at it. So. <laughs> I'm just excited to hear. Are you going to be backing the Catamounts this year or fading the Catamounts this year? Man, I think I've been against Vermont three years in a row and it's never worked out. I have my historical my historical conference tournament preview bets records. And as I look back, it's like, holy shit, I've just got killed in certain conferences. So I'm going to take that into account and maybe change up the strategies a little this year. I like it. you got to go back and work through those things. It's very important. Oh, played with House of Money in Tennessee. Not so bad. Not so bad. It's a bad. fun weekend there. It's part of the reason I didn't mind losing all the all-star bets I made. <laughs> <laughs> Ostapenko gets it done. The Estonian, uh, you know, as you mentioned, somebody I was a little concerned about at the beginning of the year, but just played some amazing tennis. I mean, he's just absolutely crushing the ball. And we're back into the swing of things. We've got two tournaments this week. One is actually playing right now. The women are in Doha as part of the Saudi swing, something like that. I don't know. I've been trying to come up with a name for this. But um, play generally starts there around 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. So we've got a bunch of matches happening right now, which is great. If you want to go over to my Twitter at underscore noobs, you can see what outrights I had there. Again, those will close and probably reopen this afternoon. You might be able to get a handful of them. But Guadalajara starts this afternoon. Um, went through again. You can check on my Twitter. Gave out a couple outrights there. Um, Buzkova and um, who was the other one? Oh, I can't remember Buzkova, and I think Paris Diaz, was it? Anyway, a um, couple outrights, but we've got a handful of actual matches. I'm sorry, Osorio Serrano. So look for Buzkova and Osorio Serrano there in Guadalajara from the outrights. But um, actual matches here, a handful of qualifiers we're going to play, just a couple actually here. Lucia Bronzetti, plus 115. Um, you know, like her, half her honestly is a slight favorite over Katie McNally, the American Playing better in doubles, but her singles has just been a mess. I mean, you go back and look at the last you know, handful of months of last season, her beginning of this season, she comes in completely cold. Um, Bronzetti went through qualifying in Guadalajara here. We have a little bit of altitude. So um, she's had, Lucia's had a chance to build up that a little, build up um, kind of her strength and get used to that a little bit, whereas McNally is going to be coming in a little bit cold here. Again, I have her a slight favorite, so plus anything looks good to me there. Um, Brenda Fruvertova, and I have to double check. There are two Fruvertovas. There's a Brenda and a Linda. This one is Brenda. Linda's not playing this week, but again, kind of a similar thing here. Made it through qualifying. A very impressive young player. Someone I think you know we're going to back quite a bit here as she continues to work her way into the tour. She faces Sloane Stevens. Sloane Stevens in her first match since the Australian Open um, has never played here before. Again, she'd be coming in pretty uncomfortable. Brenda's super talented and uh, honestly might have a chance to rip through this field, but like her in this match i mean again i have sloan favorite she still is you know has the pedigree here to deserve to be favored but plus 150 and then the 2-0 at plus 190 i think if brenda wins this match it's going to be pretty quick and then nuria potty says diaz um seeing this actually has drifted out 
to minus 160. Maybe it has some buyback there, but she goes against Anna Karolina Shmedlova, who, again, has struggled generally in altitude. NPD comes through in, in pretty solid form here. Um, someone who continues to be a little bit underrated. So we'll grab her. And then Doha, very early tomorrow morning. Clara Towson. Um, this is a, a bet I made. Um, it was actually a two-unit bet at a much worse price than this. I played Towson for two units around plus 160. It's up to plus 175. I might go back and grab some more here. She's 2-0 around plus 325. I really like her in this matchup against Paula Bedosa. Bedosa's a great player. You know, she's a really nice grinder. She's super talented. I think Towson not only has a higher level, but Bedosa hasn't looked 100% for a little while. So you've got to go back and, and really look at her last couple matches. She hasn't been moving well. I don't know if she's injured or dealing something, but, you know, Towson's got a match already under her belt. Bedosa's coming in cold. I have this match much closer than this number. So grab some Towson here again. That, the Doha match, I believe starts at like 5, maybe 6 o'clock tomorrow morning, something like that. Well, it's actually, it's listed at 2 a.m. right now, but they've been starting later than that. Anyway, overnight Easter, East Coast time. Yeah, you're going to need to keep track of where Noops is betting when you're doing tennis, because a lot of this has been overnight stuff. And now as we move to North American tennis, which the men have been doing for a bit, there's, you know, you have the, it's going to slowly shift different ways throughout the season as it does, as, that's always the confusion, like, oh, it's overnights, and then, oh, shit, they're playing in Guadalajara or with the man Acapulco. So Mexican tennis is, you know, American time, baby. So you get tennis yeah, all day nice. long. It starts yeah, at 3 in the can, afternoon. Yeah, you can do a lot worse than tennis all day long. Um, East Coast golf, speaking of time moving, the tour moves. I don't have bets yet. I haven't done anything with the Honda except look into the history of the Honda and post a funny picture of Jackie Gleason. But we are <laughs> heading, yeah, heading down to Florida. And this is again, if if anyone read my newsletter, and if you don't, I'd encourage you to go sign up for that. It's free and you can win stuff. We give away shit every week for people who sign up at betspurtsgolf.com. Just put in your email. Mentioned last week was a really good field because there's a lot of money. Like the tournaments before that were like eight million, you know, for a purse. Last week was twelve million. This year again, we're taking a step back, but we have the Arnold Palmer coming up. We have the players coming up. Those are fat purses. There's big money. There's prestige for winning the players. Like this is bye week. This field is going to stink. There's only five players in the top twenty-five here. Last week we had eighteen of the top twenty, all of the top ten. Like the, this is a, a chance as you go cross country, switching back to Bermuda, switching back to, you know, a different type of golf course. A lot of them just take the week off and play somewhere else as a tune up. They don't play in this. So this field is very, very stinky comparatively. Uh, it's a par 70 here. Justin Leonard tournament record score. Look at that. Matt Jones won it last year. It's it's toughish course, but also the. The bad field, I think, plays a little bit towards why the scoring is a little lower here. Squinter probably ends up somewhere between 7 and 12 under, I, I would figure. But I'll be digging in this week. We'll have some content from Ron. You can find Noonan's previews, and I'll have some some of my bets as I go into this one this week. I made a little money at DFS last week, not going to lie. Turned out uh, I entered the wrong contest and did a 50-50 in one of the showdowns. But all my all my all my lineups did pretty well. So uh yeah, and you can see here Berger, Neiman, Sung Jay, Louis, Fleetwood, Shane Lowry. When Shane Lowry and Billy Horschel are in the top eight, that's what kind of field we have here. You have a lot of the Europeans who haven't played over here yet coming over this week. But uh Jocko Neiman, there's a chance he withdraws. 
a lot of times you win a tournament, you just take the week off because it's a mental, the mental strain of leading and having that kind of field chase you for four days probably wears on a guy. I wouldn't blame him if he took the week off. And then uh, that Louie number just gets worse. It's a shame. Your buddy, poor Louie. Yeah, I know it. Dan talked to me a little bit about like possibly a FOMO bet on that. <laughs> I get it. I'm I'm probably halfway there because it is such a like I bet this guy so much time and he owes me money for all the second places. <laughs> but, uh, if he does ever win and you're not on him, it's going to be painful. But that's okay. That's part of betting. I know. I might look at tee times if he's like a late tee time. Maybe I can get him at a better number as maybe somebody, you know, somebody who's not going to win the tournament goes low in the morning and everyone's odds adjust a little bit. I like if I can get a, if I can get a 25 on him live before he gets a stroke, I wouldn't hate that. I don't know, but the time, the, the time decay as far as how that changes isn't massive on day one, but somebody goes real low, you can get some nice numbers. Um, and then, yeah, just, uh, there's not a ton of sports today. I don't bet hockey. Soccer slate is pretty crappy. The W two, the ATP Champions League tomorrow. Yeah, Champions League tomorrow. I did. I was almost bet Serie A today. Didn't do it. So that's just just tennis and hoops for us today until the NBA gets back. We'll have some hockey and golf guests on this week. Um, we'll get some more picks out. We don't we don't care if the NBA is not playing all week. We'll find a way to make some bets. And uh, one more quick mention again of our one of our title sponsors, Profit Exchange, which is dangerously close to launching in a couple states uh, i'm going to put a link in the description i encourage you i asked you to sign up for the betsperts golf newsletter i'm going to ask you to sign up for this too again this is just drop your email in you get a, you're eligible for a bunch of exclusive launch offers i think uh basically if you have your email in early you get the best of the offers yeah. you'll also get some information about the exchange and when it's going to be popping up at your state and other states so i'm going to put a link in the youtube description and i want you to sign up for that if you could please support the show support the sponsors and we'll see you tomorrow <laughs>